This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 55 for November 2012, with return guest Sandy Simpson, New Apostolic Reformation, part two. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. Hello, I'm Andy Olson, proprietor of EchoZoe.com. Thanks for listening. This is episode 55 for November 2012. One year ago, for the November 2011 episode, I spoke with Sandy Simpson of Apologetics Coordination Team on the New Apostolic Reformation. Sandy returns for this episode to follow up and continue the discussion. I want to thank those of you who submitted questions for the show. As you're listening to this episode, keep more questions in mind. After we finished recording, Sandy and I discussed doing yet another follow-up and we'd like to devote an entire episode to your questions. I'll have a few more details at the end of this show. There's a lot of content to get to, so I don't want to waste any time. Here's my interview with Sandy Simpson. Welcome, Sandy. Uh, such a pleasure to have you back uh, a year after we did our first interview on A New Apostolic. Oh, glad to be here, and glad you could have me back. Thank you for uh, doing what you're doing. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Glad to have you, and thank you for, for the work you're doing as well. Appreciate it. I want to jump right in. Much like our first discussion a year ago, there's far more material than we could ever cover. Uh, <laughs> and and I like, so I'd like to jump in with this assumption that people listening have already heard the first discussion we had. Uh, if they haven't heard, that episode can be found at echozoe.com slash 43. That was from November 2011. Uh, we'll answer some questions that people had from that episode get into some further examination of the New Apostolic Reformation, and try to keep from repeating what was already covered as much as possible. Uh, the first thing I'd like to get into is picking up some something you mentioned in the last episode. Uh, you did cover it a little bit, but it's worth getting back into. Uh, you talked about the denial of essential doctrines of the faith. Yeah. So, so what doctrines do, do the teachers of the New Apostolic Reformation either twist or outright deny? Well... <laughs> As I have detailed in uh, a number of papers um, and uh, also in my book on the New Apostolic and other places, they actually end up uh, basically uh, messing up all all the five core doctrines, which is the Trinity, the dual nature of Christ, the uh, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, uh, the authority of Scripture, that it's inerrant and a, and the ultimate authority for Christians, and of course then the doctrine of the return of Christ, that Christ is coming back bodily to rule and judge the earth. They, basically the heretical doctrines of the New Apostolic came from a group in the 1940s called the New Order of the Latter Reign, and William Branham was behind that group as well as the Houghton brothers. And uh, basically, the Assemblies of God back in 1949 recognized that these were false doctrines and wrote a paper 
denouncing the new order of the latter reign. Uh, These doctrines have gone through the new apostolic, third wave, uh, word of faith, etc. Now, there's an excellent DVD on this that just came out by uh, my friend Mike Oppenheimer from Lettuce Reason Ministries called The Life, Teachings, and Legacy of William Branham. So if you want to kind of look at what's behind sort of the doctrinal platform of the latter reign and the new apostolic, you might want to get that. It's on his website, lettucereason.org. Now, some of the radical... I was going to say, we can uh, link to that in our show notes as well. So if you don't remember that, just go to the show notes. It's a really good one. And he shows him and and, and has tapes of him, and it goes into good detail. Sure. Now, some of the heretical doctrines of the New Apostolic are these. Number one, they teach that God is restoring foundational apostles and prophets to the Church in these last days. Uh, when the Bible is clear that there are no more foundational apostles or prophets because our faith is based on the teachings of Jesus Christ as taught directly through the apostles. Uh, they're all dead and gone. There are There is a type of apostle today, which would be basically a church-planting missionary, but we don't have any foundational. We're not laying another foundation again, but that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. That's one of the first false teachings they have. They also teach that there's a transferable impartation or anointing that they can give people to activate them in the Holy Spirit and gifts. And as apostles and prophets, they can actually make you an apostle by laying hands on you. They claim they can lay hands on people to transfer the Holy Spirit to them by their will and by their touch. And they brought this occult practice of slain in the Spirit into many denominations by way of the Toronto Blessing, Brownsville, Revival, Benny Hinn, all all these guys on TV. They all hawk slain in the Spirit, which actually comes from Hinduism. Mm -hmm. It's it's from Kundalini Yoga. It's called Shaktipat. They do exactly the same thing. I I happened to be in Oregon at the time that Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh was there, and he was doing exactly the same thing these guys do, lay hands on their forehead. They fall backwards. They start speaking in tongues and doing weird stuff. And So that is not a scriptural practice at all. It was not done in the time of the apostles. So that's something that's been imported into Christianity. And unfortunately, it becomes a way for the enemy to deceive people. Mm-hmm. The third one that they teach is that there will be a worldwide revival before Christ returns, uh, when the Bible clearly states that there will be a falling away and the coming of the Antichrist before Christ returns. So they're they're actually teaching the opposite of what's going to happen. I'm not saying there's not going to be any revival, but there's not going to be a worldwide revival according to the scriptures. Number four is many of them put down the idea of the rapture when the Bible tells us that that's our blessed hope, Titus 2.13. It's very sad, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're basically trying to get rid of that idea to say that we need to, and this goes into the next point, we need to take dominion over the earth, and then Christ can return. Um, They say that we have to take uh, over the governments and businesses in every aspect of life when the Bible tells us that the dominion of this world is currently in the domain of the evil one. And only the physical return of Christ will strip that away from Satan. So they're trying to say the church is supposed to take over control of the world. That's not our job. Mm -hmm. We're to continue to uh, do the Great Commission, which is preaching the gospel and making disciples. That's how the Lord establishes his his spiritual kingdom on earth uh, before he comes and establishes his 
his physical kingdom on earth when he returns. And I've actually done a DVD on this called uh, Kingdom Now or Kingdom Come. Uh, we have to be careful of people because they talk about the kingdom and then they lure people in, but you don't know that they're actually talking about kingdom now, which is a false doctrine of the new apostolic. Mm-hmm. Now, there are many, many more unbiblical and heretical doctrines that put the new apostolic uh, squarely against sound doctrine and the core doctrines of the faith, and I detail that in my New Apostolic Reformation book, and also the 13-hour DVD series, which I, I wish a lot of people would watch. Yeah, that is quite a series. I, I watched, it's a long one. <laughs> it is. I watched through that last year as I was preparing for that first yeah. interview, It's and, and it's it's very valuable. It, there's a lot to be well, learned Well, I think it's informative because it. you get to actually see these people actually teaching mm. stuff. Well, there's so and much stuff so, you almost need to watch through. It's you know it's oh, long, but you almost he, need to watch through it a couple times. Well, it's just, it was actually made so that people could use it kind of in a, in a Bible study context or in a teaching context in sure. a church and do it in segments because it, it's way too long to sit and watch. Yeah. But but we I you know the interesting part is that when we watched uh, when we took stuff from that uh, that conference that we took it from. There was so much stuff in there that we had a hard time actually whittling it down because mm-hmm. we we, heard, we saw at least, I think it was like 360 instances of just false teaching. So we had to kind of narrow it down to the most important ones. So yeah. Yeah, that's why it was so long. So how would you respond to a follower of, of new NAR, false teachers, who yeah. might one way or another excuse their leaders or teachers for verifiably well, false doctrine? Yeah, unfortunately... A lot of people get into this sort of hero worship or guru mm-hmm. worship of, of somebody, and they can't hear that that person is actually, they won't hear that the person is actually teaching false doctrine. But unfortunately, that is what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. It's called discernment. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the Bible says that Christian maturity is defined as being able to tell the difference between right and wrong. We're, we're supposed to do that. If we can't do that, then there's actually something wrong with our faith, and we have to examine ourselves and make sure we're in the faith. But I have basically a standard response that I send out to people, because a lot of people uh, write me defending false teachers, saying that we're nasty people, we shouldn't be talking about them, we don't have the Holy Spirit, so we don't understand, and all this kind of stuff. And so I write back to them. I can almost send the standard response out to almost everybody who writes into me because they are basically have been taught some false things, and they're parroting back almost word for word these same false things. One of them is, for instance, one of the core things that they get taught. One of the first things is judge not, lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. And that has made the rounds, and unfortunately, you can't apply Matthew seven one to every everything because it's not it's one type of judgment. It's it's hypocritical judging. In other right. words, I'm judging you for something I'm doing, yep. and God does not like that. But you know, in uh, fifteen verses later, in seven fifteen, he says, "Watch out for false prophets." <laughs> yep. So. Uh, it, it's obvious that there are ways in which we are to judge and are not to judge, and you cannot, and you it's insane to basically say, don't ever judge, because mm-hmm. we judge all the time, and, and even they judge all the time. They make right. decisions between what's what they think is good or not. Also, the touch not the Lord's anointed argument, which is basically taking out of context what the, the, the thing about David and Saul. Saul was not going to touch... Um, 
David was not going to touch Saul, which meant he would he would kill him because he was God's anointed leader. But this does not. I mean, he didn't kill him, but he sure embarrassed him in front of his yeah. his army by telling him what this, you know, letting them know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So here's my response. Let me just read it real quick. Sure. My response is: Mature Christians do not defend false teachers and heretics. They are to mark and avoid false teachers. Romans sixteen seventeen. They are to reject heretics, Titus 1.13, those who lay error alongside of truth by secretly introducing destructive heresies, 2 Peter 2.1. Christians are to be light and salt by telling the truth, thus we are to point out uh, who heretics are by name so that people will not listen to them, just as the prophets and the apostles did. And I have a long list of references on that. You find it all through the Bible where people were actually named so that people could avoid them. Mm-hmm. Christians are told by the Holy Spirit in the Bible through John that if we love the Lord, we will demonstrate that by obeying his commands. That's how we prove that we love him. That's 1 John three twenty four five three and John fifteen ten etc. Now, one of the most repeated commands of the Lord is to get away from false teachers and false prophets. And I have a whole bunch of references on that in my email. Uh, if anybody wants that, I can send it to them. And so I say my advice to you is to carefully read the, these following articles and be a Berean, Acts 17.11, to learn why we must stand for the truth against blasphemy and heresy today. It's our job. Mm-hmm. And so I give them a bunch of articles to read uh, off of my deceptioninthechurch.com website. Uh, one is a booklet that I wrote called booklet.html, um, discerntestjudge.html, and let us, let's take a look.html. And I conclude by saying we have hundreds of other resources, mostly free, available on site by hundreds of pastors, teachers, apologists, professors, missionaries, and authors that can help you navigate the current maze of deception in the churches and be able to hold fast to the truth, 1 Corinthians 15.2, 1 Timothy 3.9. And then I say I hope our site will help you. Unfortunately, I would say... 75% of the people I send that to get really mad at me yeah. and say that I'm being nasty to them. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of the current uh, postmodern mindset. They they can't actually deal with people who tell the truth, you know, and they don't even look up the references, which if they looked them up, they would understand what I'm talking about. But So that's the problem we have, and we need to stand up and tell the truth to people about what's going on, about the false doctrines that are pervasive in the New Apostolic. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I solicited some voicemail questions and sure. uh, written questions, voicemail questions, but I specifically or especially I should say mm-hmm. wanted the voicemail questions. And the first one I have is uh, on uh, from a, a former member of Word of Faith, and I, I'd like to play it for you. Okay. Hi, my name is Wayne, and uh, I was in the Word of Faith movement for about 21 years. And some of the names that came up were, um, well, the Kansas City Prophets, Mike Bickle, C. Peter Wagner. And uh, they would call them prophets or apostles and say, well, they're predicting who's going to win the presidential election and things like that. And uh, it usually never came true. My question for you, Sandy, is who made them prophets or who made them apostles. Thank you so much. I'll hang up and uh, listen for your answer. Yes. Um, well, uh, as he named, the 
these people, uh, those are some of the people who have been promoting the New Apostolic Reformation from the beginning, especially the Kansas City Prophets, one of whom was Paul Kane, and he was actually a, an associate of William Branham and brought forward those false doctrines into our time. Um, he heard that John Wimber was teaching a signs and wonders uh, class in Fuller and uh, went down to visit him and told him that basically what he was teaching was latter rain doctrine. And so, you know, he kind of made them, he installed them, him and C. Peter Wagner as apostles for this new movement, which was called the New Breed by him. And um, so that's where they kind of got their authority, impetus to say that they were apostles. Unfortunately, though, you know, they they have been telling everybody that they are foundational apostles to the church. In fact, uh, C. Peter Wagner says that he is just like James was. He's the head apostle, and everybody falls under his purview. Well, interestingly, Paul addressed that long ago when there were guys going around saying that they were equal to the uh, the true apostles. He said, the only place that you find this phrase in the Bible, false apostles, even though there are other places that address false apostles, the word, the phrase false apostles, Paul says these guys who are doing that and want to be considered to be equal to this are false apostles. And that's how you prove it. People who say that they're equal to, and in fact, a number of the people in the New Apostolic say they're greater than. Wow. <laughs> they say, you know, Paul and Peter and those guys are waiting to see us in heaven. <laughs> Talk to us. They're just, I'm sorry to put it this way, but they're off their rockers. Mm, this, they, these people did not sit under the teaching of Jesus Christ, which was criteria for being a foundational apostle. Um, you know, they haven't written scripture, all these things that these guys did. Um, and they were passing along what Jesus taught them. And we are to continue in that. We're not to take new revelations. See, these people are the new Gnostics. They're coming along just like the Gnostics did in that time, saying we have new revelation that supersedes, you know, uh, what the apostles been ta- have been talking about. We're the real apostles. Hmm. So that's what's going on. That that's how they empower themselves and people. If if they fall into the trap, I was going to talk about this in a little bit, but basically this new apostolic slash prophetic movement, their modus operandi is they go out and number one, they slay people in the spirit. And then once they get that done, then they prophesy over them and tell them that they're something special. And it's usually you're a prophet or you're an apostle. Mm -hmm. And so this thing propagates itself. It just keeps going. And the danger is, is if somebody gets something and they feel like, oh, this is from God, then they go off on a wild goose chase for the rest of their life thinking that they're an apostle or a prophet when they're not. Mm-hmm. I actually <laughs> have a story uh, I, I kind of like to share that's sure. even even much more sad than that. Uh, just recently heard about a friend of my sister-in-law who several years ago was prophesied over by one of these guys. Uh, Mm-hmm. It was it, not not a well-known guy, but somebody in their church that follows this kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. And he, um, I think he battled some depression in his life and stuff. And he 
had asked, will I ever get married? He really, really wanted to get married, badly wanted to get married. And this prophet said, no, you will never get married. And just recently, he, he committed suicide. He was so distraught oh about um, never – he believed the Lord had said he would never get married. And it ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy in the end. This this is what's so dangerous about this movement. You've mm-hmm. got people out there saying that they're speaking for the Lord, and they falsely prophesy, and yet people don't – they can't see through. They can't right. see through it. I had a guy come up to me in one of the churches that used to support us. They're not now because they're into the New Apostolic, but he was trying to prophesy over me and touch me. I said, no. And then he says, well, I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me anyway. He said, you're going to raise the dead in Micronesia. (laughs) Well, within very short period of time, I knew that had to be a false prophecy because not that God can't raise the dead, but that why would he tell me about it ahead of time? Yeah. This was a ploy to get me puffed up. Yeah, it's satanic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's one thing we talked about last year. Yep. Was it's that's it's yep. so common. It's all about puffing up. It's, it's not it about is. edifying. It's, it's about puffing up. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to get in a little bit about hermeneutics. Um, sure. They have a different hermeneutic. So I'm wondering what is yes. what is proper hermeneutics as opposed to what is their well, that's approach. A very, that's a very good question. Um, there are some different uh, proper uh, styles of hermeneutics, but basically the, when you get to the bottom line, there's two things, exegesis and eisegesis, mm-hmm. and they are two conflicting approaches to Bible study. Exegesis is the exposition or explanation of a text based on a careful, objective analysis of the text in context. The word exegesis literally means to lead out of, and that means that the interpreter is led to his conclusions by following the text. Of course, the opposite approach to to that would be eisegesis, which is the interpretation of a passage, passage based on a subjective, non-analytical reading. Mm-hmm. And the word eisegesis literally means to lead into, which means the interpreter injects his own ideas into the text, making it mean whatever he wants. And that's what we see today uh, more often than not, especially among all the false teachers, they use that method. Um, I, I like this quote, and uh, you can hear this teaching actually on a New Apostolic DVD by Gary Gilley, Pastor Gary Gilley, but he says, hermeneutics is a science that teaches the principles, laws, and methods of interpretation. Whenever we attempt to interpret anything, be it the IRS code, the sports page, a novel, or the Bible, we we use certain hermeneutical methods. When we seek to understand almost any literature besides the Bible, we all tend to use normal, literal hermeneutics. Loosely, this means that we take words and sentences at face value, expecting that the author meant what he said, mm-hmm. and we can understand what he meant. Theologians call this the grammatical historical approach. But when it comes to the Bible, many Christians throughout history have had a hard time using normal hermeneutics. Instead, they've tried to infuse into the word meanings that were never intended. You basically take stuff out of context, you twist it. A classic example is the one that says um, you can take two verses and make a suicide cult. If you took uh, Judas went out and hung himself, and then another verse says goes out and do likewise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's basically what these people are doing, not to that extent, but Mm-hmm. They'll take stuff out of context, especially they'll take like part of a phrase or one verse and not and, and not teach about what 
what it actually meant in context. In other words, who was it, who was it written to? Why was it written? What's it about? In in the context, you can't just pull stuff out and make it say whatever you want it to say. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's what um, the New Apostolic has been doing a lot of, and they use eisegesis. And in fact, Gary Gilley on the on the uh, New Apostolic video calls it fairy tale hermeneutics, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> that's that. fitting. Yeah. It's like you know you make up you just make up a fairy tale, mm-hmm. uh, and there are different. Uh, good exegetical hermeneutical methods, one of which is the the grammatical uh, historical method he talked about, and Midrash even is good. But making stuff up, uh, making the Bible say what you want it to say according to your own belief system is not correct. Mm-hmm. And that's what the New Apostolic is famous for doing, really. You know, it's what lays the basis for many of their false doctrines, which is why they're so far off, because they haven't correctly interpreted and read the Bible. Right. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm not sure if you personally are aware, but the episode I did last month, I got into this quite a bit. Um, It was a great episode we did with Eric Bargerhoff out of Southern Florida on taking verses out of context and Mm -hmm. talked about some of the very verses you've brought up, you know, judge not lest you be judged and whatnot. And uh, yes, so I'd recommend very many. Yeah. uh, And you know, when you do that, if people buy into it, then they're they're just off. Yeah. And then when you try to show them that what they, you know, here's what that verse actually means in context, uh, they can't they can't change because if they do, their whole house of cards comes tumbling down, you know, because right. it's built on this very shaky foundation. Right. Uh, last year you talked about some youth oriented ministries and I wanted to get a little yeah. more into that. Uh, okay. I, I picked up on a few that you mentioned and I'm not sure if I understood correctly specifically on one of them. Uh, you mentioned YWAM. Uh, yes. You mentioned InterVarsity. Mm-hmm. Now is that InterVarsity Christian Fellowship? That's correct. Okay. And then Campus Crusade for Christ mm-hmm. and IHOP, International House of yes. Prayer. Are these all, first of all, uh, full-fledged new apostolic organizations, or are they just have they had some influence? Are they um, associated and uh, and and getting undue influence uh, from them? I would say all of them are full-fledged into it. Maybe InterVarsity is a little bit less so, but basically all of them have been involved in one form or another. And in fact, IHOP is Mike Bickle's organization. Right. He's one of Kansas City prophets. Also, YWAM. Uh, you know. One of their leaders that started YWAM was John Dawson, and uh, he's the guy who actually influenced C. Peter Wagner in the false spiritual warfare stuff, which we can talk about if you want later. But mm-hmm. I have an entire web page uh, exposing Youth with a Mission on my side. It's called youthwithamission.html. The leadership uh, of the New Apostolic uh, has stated that both YWAM and World Vision are working with them to spread their message to the world. Mike Bickle said that on that DVD that we talked about. Mm -hmm. YWAM teaches youth all the false teachings in the New Apostolic, and now they're also teaching emerging church stuff, contemplative prayer, and they've been supporting and helping the World Christian Gathering on Indigenous People movement, which is basically... um, getting people to go back to their original um, supreme being and worship him and say that he's God. Undoing hundreds of years of missionary work. 
Exactly. It's very, very dangerous. And in fact, they've gotten a number of uh, translation societies to go along with them. And so now we have Allah in the Arabic uh-huh. translation, in a number of Arabic translations. You know, can you imagine Allah created the heavens and the earth? It's it's pretty bad. And uh, fortunately, some people are finally starting to pick up on it. But Mike and I wrote a book about this quite some time ago called Idolatry in Their Hearts, which was a response to Don Richardson's book, Eternity in Their Hearts. Mm-hmm. And basically showing that you cannot do that. In fact, I've got a DVD out called Blasphemizing the Bible, which is from one of the chapters. And it shows how they've been putting the names of false gods in the Bible for a long time. Anyway, John Drossen wrote a book many years ago which detailed unbiblical teachings on spiritual warfare, including the practice of spiritual mapping, which is basically contacting shamans to get the names of local demons so Christians can then cast those those demons out by name. <laughs> but that's a practice from witchcraft that has never even worked for witchcraft. I mean... Demons are not going to capitulate to humans on the basis that we know their actual name. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Demons are, you know, they're not going to leave a church like the New Life Church in Colorado Springs, which used to be Ted Hager's church, because barrels of holy oil have been sprayed on the perimeter of their property. Or they're not going to leave the area because on Chinese New Year, they set off firecrackers. Right. This is that sounds all like a pure paganism. Re- it's it's not understanding what demons are really all about. Right. Demons are in a spiritual dimension. And the only way to protect against them is through the proclamation of the Bible and staying faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, putting on the armor. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best example of what true biblical spiritual warfare is all about, not what these people are saying. Now, I really highly recommend that people get a video um, where... The wife of C. Peter Wagner, Doris Wagner, and a former witch, Anna Mendez, after reading John Dawson's book, John Dawson of YWAM, said that the Lord told him to climb up to the top of Mount Everest and kill the Queen of Heaven, and also Satan up there. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Because that's where he it, lives, apparently? Because that's where she lives. Of course, it's interesting that the Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven, but... Yeah. You know, this is supposedly a, a big a, de- a demon that lives up there, and they killed her, and so everything's going to be okay now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they, it shows them stabbing the snow with knives, saying, you know, <laughs> we kill you, <laughs> Queen of Heaven, <laughs> you know. And they allege that they killed Satan up there, too. This is on uh, Mike Oppenheimer's site, LetUsReason.org. It's called DVDEverest.html. And this kind of thing laid the basis for YWAM doing these unbiblical spiritual warfare practices such as mm. prayer walking and uh, you know driving stakes in the ground around a property to keep the demons away and all the things that they teach this stuff's all based on um, this this false spiritual warfare model that John Dawson came up with mm. so those guys are full-fledged into promoting all the false doctrines of of the New Apostolic, and I would advise people to keep their kids away from YWAM. There are some other organizations that are good, but YWAM is, is fully into the New Apostolic. Wow. Now, InterVarsity, um, basically, 
for instance, Jim Rutz of the Open Church Ministries, who's a part of C.P. Wagner's International Coalition of Apostles, which is the leadership of the New Apostolic, is, has done freelance writing for uh, World Vision, Wycliffe, Youth for Christ, uh, Prison Fellowship, the Lausanne Committee, Jews for Jesus, and InterVarsity. InterVarsity directly supports many of the goals and objectives of the New Apostolic, and they are listed along with hundreds of other organizations that got involved with Wagner, all the way back to the time of the Lausanne Covenant through Mission America down to the present. And you can see the list of those in my book uh, called The New Apostolic Reformation. And many people would be shocked at the people who got involved with Wagner. Unfortunately, a number of them uh, did not know what Wagner was really trying to pull off, that this was a dominionism tactic, and that he was going to be the apostle over everybody. But they kind of got sucked in over time, and pretty soon they got fully involved. Now, Campus Crusade is the same kind of story. Uh, it's called Crew now, <laughs> which mm. I have no idea what that means, C-R-U. Ah, uh, they, yeah, I've seen that one come up. Yeah, they didn't uh, want uh, the, the the word crusade in there, apparently. I don't know. Well, I have but, a friend uh, from high school that I follow on Twitter that is associated with uh, John Piper's church and ministries, and he talks about yeah. crew quite a bit. Unfortunately, John Piper has been cozying up to the New Apostolic people. Us. <laughs> it's pretty sad, man. I'm it telling is. you. It We're is. looking at an apostasy going on. Wow. But they've been involved with Wagner since the times of AD 2000 and Ralph Winter. And they got involved with uh, strategic level spiritual warfare um, of Wagner, Dawson, and Ed Silvoso and others, transformations, um, you know, movement. Mm -hmm. And in the early 1990s, there were a number of citywide gospel campaigns in Latin America. Some of the evangelists attributed their success to days spent wrestling in prayer against the powers of darkness. And in the early 1990s, charismatic leader C. Peter Wagner linked himself with the movement and has been its most vocal spokesman and writer since. And the movement has been tremendously successful in making inroads into the evangelical church. A number of evangelical organizations such as Billy Graham Association, Bill Bright's Campus Crusade for Christ currently practice its, its techniques and are supportive of the goals of SS, SLSW. That's why we've been seeing a steady decline in neo-evangelicalism, with, for instance, people like Graham praying with Mitt Romney and then taking any reference to Mormonism as a cult off of their website. I just, I can't even imagine it. Right. It's fine to support him as a candidate, but to yeah. like say that you're praying to the same God, or oh, is this the God that is a father who has his own planet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, anyway. uh, James White likes to say that uh, studying both Mormonism and, and Islam, that, that Islam is closer to Christianity than Mormonism <laughs> is. And there is no more Mormonism polytheistic religion on the planet than, than Mormonism. Yeah. yeah, well, they're both off, but... right. You know, many don't know that Graham is, has long believed that God will save those who have not heard the gospel by some other means. But this goes directly against what the Bible, what the Bible teaches, that Jesus Christ is the only mm -hmm. way to salvation. So Crew has been involved with YWAM and uh, the World Christian Gathering Indigenous People for many years, promoting, you know, the false doctrines of these movements. And it's sad, but that's what's happened to these form, former 
decent organizations at mm-hmm. one time. Um, I don't know if I talked about it last time, but we really struggled to try to help YWAM out in the islands because we saw them going away from preaching the gospel and getting into prayer walking and all this other stuff where they didn't even give the gospel anymore. Right. And we were saying, you need to get back to the gospel because that's what has the power. That's the power to change people. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, yeah, I think you did mention that. It's that they agreed with you and then they turned around and yeah. went back to their old ways. Um, ending up with IHOP, of course. Well, before you go I to think... IHOP, I just had a quick question on the Campus Crusade. Okay, sure. When I think Campus Crusade, the first name that comes to my mind is Josh McDowell. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, I mean, he, he comes across to me, or at least he used to. I haven't seen him so much in the last few years uh, yeah. just because I'm focusing my attention yeah. elsewhere. But what's your impression of Josh McDowell? I think he's written some good books, mm-hmm. and uh, especially in the past. Um, I don't know what his current associations are. I do know that I've seen him on TBN and some other things, like some of these other people. Okay. And I do not approve of that. I think that's compromise, and it gives the wrong impression to people. Mm-hmm. You can't. Some of these guys think that they're so good that they can go on TBN and they can they can basically convince everybody else. It will give them a form to give the truth. The problem is they don't realize they're being used by TBN to so, make TBN look legit. Right. And then the next, you know, the next program is Benny Hinn or something. Mm-hmm. You know. And people don't, a lot of people don't have the kind of discernment it takes to be able to switch the channel and go, oh, nope, wait a minute. They're, oh, well, if, you know, if he's good, then, you know, Benny Hinn must be good too. Right. So that's what happens. Right. Um, so IHOP. But, Bickle, you know, Bickle with IHOP, um, you know, he's one of the original Kansas City prophets. Yeah. Uh, he was along with Paul Kane and all these guys. They brought the latter rain into the churches. So he's part of the original problem. Mm-hmm. And so any organization he's involved with is going to be off. One of the programs he had recently, I think they're still doing, is called Friends of the Bridegroom. And they, they've employed sort of disgusting sexual lyrics to their music with reference to Jesus Christ. Um, You know, but if you want to see him at work teaching and whatever, you can get the DVD series. He's doing Slain of the Spirit and all that. He's heavily into that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I would tell people to steer way clear of IHOP because they're promoting all the false teachings of the latter rain. And, of course, there are many others, and like I said, if you want to see a list, and it's going to shock you because there are some names in there, you're going to go, what? How come they're involved with these people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that everybody had an original agenda, you know, to get involved. Right. They kind of got involved, and then uh, they can't really get out gracefully, and so they're they're continuing on. But they don't really know who these people are, and they need to they need to investigate and find out who these guys are. Yeah. That's why I go back to my the, original question on these youth oriented yeah. things, just wondering, you know, are these full fledged and no apostolic, or are they just somehow get they caught are, up in it? Unfortunately, and, especially of course IHOP and YWAM. Right. And uh, you know, Campus yeah. Crusade is right there. Unfortunately there are many other ones, Wycliffe, uh <laughs> Uh, World Vision. Mm-hmm. They've got a guy on World Vision who is one of the leaders in the <clears throat> World Christian Gathering of Indigenous People movement. Um, it's very sad to mm-hmm. watch because some of them were doing some a, a real good job in the past. 
But because they're um, they're buddying up with these kind of people, they're getting pulled off, and they're getting told a number of things that are not correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, I had an email question from Angela uh, regarding IHOP. Uh, okay. She says, regarding IHOP, uh, what would you say to a person in 30 to 60 seconds to reveal the error of their teaching, especially if they believe the canon of Scripture is still open and they see no problem with contemplative prayer? Well, there you go. There's two things right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this whole idea that the canon of Scripture is still open is neo-Gnosticism. It's, it's saying that new revelation is equal to the canon of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's saying that these guys have the same revelation that the apostles did, but they don't. And that's one always an indicator of a cult group or or of people being, you know, teaching heresy. And then, of course, contemplative prayer. That is something that comes from the Catholic Church um, and also from Eastern mysticism. But the Catholics got off into this kind of stuff early on. Um, Desert Fathers. Excellent. An excellent book to read on all of these heresies would be um, Jacob Prash's new book uh, about Laodicea. And I've got that uh, advertised on my site. Mm-hmm. It just goes back through and shows all these heresies that formed the Catholic Church and other things. And you can see that those things have come on through to the present. People that don't know their history are, of course, doomed to repeat it. But, you know, IHOP is, um, you know, the the Scripture is clear that we should not add or take away from the Scriptures. But the early Gnostics got people to follow them because they were writing about, uh, you know, know, because they claimed to have um, direct revelation from God. Mm -hmm. It was newer than what the apostles had, uh, were writing about. For instance, this brings up the argument these people use is there's a rhema word and then there's logos you know and the logos is the old sort of dead word and the, and the rhema is the new you know active word of god well in the bible actually it uses rhema and logos interchangeably there's there's almost no difference but uh, i have some good stuff on that as well but this gnosticism though uh continued in the cults such as mormonism and other new thought movements um word of faith comes directly out of new thought mm-hmm. comes from uh, Essex Kenyon and uh, Kenneth Hagen and that kind of technique is used to gain followers and divide the churches and remember the bible used the word heretic which means divisive one and the new apostolic has divided churches away from biblical christianity into the latter reign and new age ideas and that's where their connection to the liberal ideas of the emerging church come in. So, see, they have a—they're all connected: church growth, emerging church, word of faith, new apostolic. They're all connected. For instance, I have the full um, doctrinal thesis of Rick Warren, and his mentor was C. Peter Wagner. He's the guy who graded his paper, mm-hmm. and he. He quoted more books of C. Peter Wagner than anybody else. So these guys are all connected. There's a there's a real connection there. But you know they love to point people back to the mysticism of the Catholic Church and even to Eastern mysticism with the excuse that it will create spiritual formation. That's another word being used. Yeah. 
But, you know, you can't be spiritually formed by these techniques. You can't be spiritually formed through mortifying your body as the Catholics have taught, which, by, by the way, they, they, they borrowed that from Babylonian and, and Greek pagan ideas when they sort of mixed together everything into the new Christianity back in the 3rd century, which became the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and also Eastern Orthodox but especially the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. You don't get more spiritual by performing religious rituals like labyrinth walking and contemplative prayer, etc. You know, followers of Christ are told to deny self. Luke 9.23, but asceticism takes this command to an, an extreme. The Bible never suggests that a Christian should purposely seek out discomfort or pain. On the contrary, God has richly blessed us with everything for our enjoyment, 1 Timothy 6.17. The Bible warns those who forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from 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 this stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's not allowed mm-hmm. uh, from, from certain foods, etc. So uh, it's erroneous to believe that celibates who abstain from certain foods are more holy than other people. We are under grace, not under law. Therefore, the Christian does not live by a set of rules, but by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Christ has set us free, John 8, 36. In many cases, the ascetic practices uh, of self-denial in order to earn God's favor or somehow purge oneself from sin are what is being taught, basically. And this shows a misunderstanding of grace. No amount of austerity can earn salvation or merit God's love. Well, it's not, it's not going to make us grow. Mm-hmm. The monasticism is not biblical in that it ignores our responsibility to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. That's one big problem I had with all these Catholic monks. They, they closeted themselves away from the world when they should have been in the world witnessing for the Lord. Right, in, not of, yeah. Yep. While we're not part of the world, we're in it, and the church has never, it has never, was never intended to isolate people in who are in need, you know, from people in need of Christ. So that's the problem I have with all this kind of uh, stuff going on, and you know, uh, doing all this contemplative stuff and all that. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not achieving the actual goal of what we should be doing. Not to say we shouldn't meditate on the scriptures and think on the things above and all those things, but you know, doing some of these things that they say have more, in, you know, um, connection with yoga and with Eastern mysticism and TM and all that than they do with what the Bible actually teaches. Mm-hmm. But here we're watching all these Christian universities; they all have spiritual formation departments now. Yeah. And why? Because Brian McLaren. And uh, Leonard Sweet and these guys from the Emerging Church made a point of touring all the Christian universities that would let them in and telling them that that's what they needed to do. And in fact, now um, the um, accreditation organization, I, I can't remember which one it is, but it's the main one for, for Christian colleges, is requiring Christian colleges to have a spiritual formation department. Wow. So we can see how much inroads the emerging church has been making. The interesting part about the emerging church is these guys all come out of ultra-liberal denominations. <laughs> yeah. So why are evangelical churches letting them in? But they are, in the droves. 
we had to write to one evangelical church recently who was inviting Leonard Sweet to talk there. <laughs> and I had to say, you know what this guy teaches? <laughs> you know? So, anyway. Well, moving along, uh, yes. I'd like to get into spiritual warfare a little bit. Uh, sure. I have a question, a, a voicemail question, but I'd like to save that to, towards the end of the spiritual warfare discussion. Uh, you talked a little bit already about what YWAM does with uh, this prayer walking and, and whatnot and and this um, casting out demons by learning their names and stuff. But is there anything yeah. you can add to the, the the realm of spiritual warfare through the new apostolic? Well, it's, um, you know, like I said, uh, YWAM uses those techniques um, of the, that are basically espoused by the leadership of the NAR, which they actually learned from John Dawson and people like that. And, you know, I'm just really afraid that many young people are uh, starting to employ these ideas and they are going to place themselves in danger. You don't fight against the devil (laughs) with these kind of things because you can end up in, in ruin. Yeah. I've seen I've seen many YWAMers who've ended up in spiritual ruin because they of what they're being taught and what's being done there. Now there's an excellent article on uh, strategic level spiritual warfare that you can read it's by Dr. Oral Steinkamp. It's on my site. Mm-hmm. It's actually oral15.html. It's called the script underlying spiritual warfare Christianity, and also, you might benefit from an article that I wrote called Three Fallacies of Third Wave Spiritual Warfare Teachings, and it's basically three fallacies.html. But these teachings just get wackier and wackier, but the thing is is that you don't, they don't realize how dangerous it is to employ uh, you know, unbiblical methods of spiritual warfare. You can get yourself into deep trouble. Mm-hmm. You can actually physically get hurt or spiritually hurt. And, uh, you know, we're not fooling around with, you know, beings that we're, we're stronger than. Right. They are much stronger than we are. And if you don't, if you're not obeying the Lord, you put yourself in a lot of danger. That's right. where I feel, I really fear for a lot of these youth. And there have been a lot of problems with YWAM. Mm-hmm. and other other youth organizations that have taken on these issues and found themselves in, in deep water. Basically, what they need is to have biblical teaching on spiritual warfare. One of those things would be to talk about uh, what what is behind the putting on the spiritual armor. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Um, That's a very gospel-centric and, passage, by the way. Yes, and, you know, you... First of all, you have to have salvation. Yeah. You cannot be, you know, it's it's based on any spiritual warfare that we do and for instance casting out demons, etc., has to do with our relationship with the Lord. If if the demons don't see that we have a relationship or that we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, then th- there's no basis on which we have any power over them. Mm. And so that's that's the starting point, and of course, that's actually the starting point of doing any kind of spiritual warfare anywhere. You go and you preach the gospel. That's the thing that is going to save people and protect them. Right. Not all these techniques; those things don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, going up on a hillside and holding hands and 
and you know throwing out salt over the ground and saying we're claiming this ground for for Jesus no none of that it's all garbage it, it's not it's not going to work you have to be doing what the Lord told us to do and they've gone away from it because they don't like it it's hard yeah. you have to preach the gospel which is actually an offense to many people mm-hmm. and then follow that up with discipleship and sound doctrine teaching them the the doctrines of the faith, teaching them uh, discernment. But unfortunately, many denominations and churches have gone away from that. They've substituted sound doctrine and the gospel with, you know, entertainment and music and and all these other things that they brought in to try to lure people in. Mm -hmm. But they get lured in, but they never actually hear the gospel, and they certainly don't hear sound doctrine. So that's the problems that we've fallen into. Right. Well, I have a, a voicemail question along with spiritual warfare. Sure. Uh, I'd like to play that. And uh... Hi, Andy. I love your show. I got to say, I have a question for you. I used to see this guy, Bob Larson, on TV. He would make this big spectacle of traveling around the country and casting out demons. I found it strange that he charged a lot of money to get into his events. Is this a practice of the new apostolic reformation, or is Bob into something else? Thanks. Well, I think he, he, she's, she's talking about Bob Larson, right? Yeah, Bob Larson. Um, yeah, yeah um, I think he does have a, a connection with these guys. He certainly is on their network. Um, but he kind of have, has his own thing going. Okay. Unfortunately, what he does, you know, shouting at people and all these techniques that he uses are not really biblical. Right, and I, I get scared for that guy sometimes, but I think that a lot of what he puts on is a show. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really get the distinct impression that people come on there and they're acting, uh-huh. um, because I've actually seen in my lifetime real de- demonic possession, <laughs> uh-huh. and it, it doesn't really look like what they're portraying. Sure, um, he's been around promoting this, you know, this sort of false spiritual warfare model for years on TV, etc. And I don't know if he's still on TV, but it's clear that many of those he's dealt with are, you know, I don't think they're telling the truth. And there are many similarities between what Larson does and what the New Apostolic teaches. So I think he has read those books and he subscribes to at least some of it. But I would stay away from his ideas, you know, um, go back to the Bible, because the Bible tells us how we ought to deal with those issues mm-hmm. and gives us examples. Well, thanks. I'd like to take just a really quick break, and then we'll uh, sure. move on to uh, Dominionism. Okay. Echozoe is now incorporated as a nonprofit organization, so if the materials on our site have enriched your life, please consider supporting Echozoe. To find details on how you can support our ministry, go to echozoe.com slash support. Do you know the parable of the fig tree? In the book, The Parable of the Fig Tree, pastor and teacher Ryan Habana explores the scripture's primary text regarding the second coming of Christ and the events that surround this glorious event. By taking the reader through the Olivet Discourse, the Thessalonian Epistles, the Book of Daniel, and the Book of Revelation, Ryan teaches how we should learn and apply the parable of the fig tree in order to be watching and well prepared for the return of the King of Kings. Get the ebook, The Parable of the Fig Tree, today at Echozoe Store online at echozoe.com slash store. 
So I want to move on to dominionism. Sure. You've talked a little bit about that uh, already, but what exactly is dominionism, first of all? Well, dominionism is the idea that we are supposed to be taking over the systems of government, the businesses, and everything in the world. And this comes from through the latter reign, which was one of their main tenets, but it also comes via another direction, which is Reformed theology. It's called Reconstruction and Reformed theology. But if you read, for instance, Chuck Colson's stuff, he says very clearly we need to be taking dominion over the world. And this is because they, they base one of their things on the fact that God told Adam to take dominion. Well, <laughs> if they will remember, what happened to Adam? <laughs> yeah. He sinned. And he could no longer take dominion over the world. Who got the dominion? People would say, well, it's God, God that got the dominion. God always has dominion, ultimately. Right. But the enemy took dominion over the world. All you have to do is look at, for instance, when he tempted Christ. What did he tell him? I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and worship me. And that was not a false offer. It was a real offer. Because mm -hmm. he has them. He is he is a lion, you know. Yeah, Jesus never challenged thinking, him on that grounds. No, he didn't. He didn't say you liar. What he said was, in all three cases, which is a very good thing to remember, it is written. <laughs> yeah. Because he was referring back to the scripture, <laughs> which is something that we need to be doing when we're dealing with the enemy. We use scripture. You know, it is written. God has said. You know, it's a done deal. Mm -hmm. But. Um, he wasn't making a false offer because it says that he is the prince of the power of the air and he has dominion over the earth and all these kinds of things. They forget this. They forget that that is not going to um, stop until Jesus Christ physically returns and casts him into the abyss. Unfortunately, with preterism and amillennial uh, doctrines, basically uh, they've got it to where Satan is bound right now and we're in this sort of period that's not really the millennium, but uh, we're in this period that the Bible doesn't talk about. So therefore, we got to take we got to take charge, mm -hmm. got to take dominion. Now, I got to be honest with you. Maybe we're not employ employing the same methods as as Islam, <laughs> but when you start saying we have to, uh, C. P. Wagner said we have to overthrow the governments of the world. Now, that is fascism. Mm -hmm. It's just Christian fascism. It's not Islamic fascism, but it's got the same goal, basically to take over the world with a religion. This is uh, between them and the Catholic Church, who they're totally involved with. This is the woman who rides the beast. They are trying to ride the world governments. 
to take over. And why? Because they believe that it, once they take over the systems of government of the world, then Christ will come and he can reign. They don't realize that it's Christ, his physical uh, presence on earth will uh, will cause those things to happen. And what, what we're doing now, what our job is, is to bring in the spiritual kingdom. It's to preach the gospel so that people can then be changed from the inside. You don't legislate from the outside in. You legislate, you know, it, comes, it happens with, from a change from within right. by the Lord. Yeah. And that's what we should be concentrating on is getting people changed from within. We can't change them, but we can preach the gospel and they can believe in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and turn and follow him. And then they become an influence, uh, they become salt and light. Mm-hmm. But the Bible never says that our job is to take over these things. Right. It just it comes from a, a lack of understanding of eschatology. And, you know, I mean, preterism goes even so far as to say Jesus Christ already returned and all this kind of weird stuff. Yeah. And it's off. And, you know, you, you don't want to take the take away the blessed hope of people, uh, etc. So, yes, you know, some things happened back in 70 AD that look, uh, that are a foreshadowing of what will come, but a number of things never happened. Right. Jesus Christ did not return. He didn't stand on the Mount of Olives. He did, you know, sit down on the throne of David, all these things. So uh, it, it's a false idea that is leading churches into the wrong way. They, it leads them away from the gospel, an emphasis on the gospel, and leads them into this whole idea that they're taking over the world, they're saving the planet. You know, mm-hmm. It's the same thing that comes from the world. You know, the save the planet stuff is just so attractive to people, you know? <laughs> I can save the planet. No, you can't. <laughs> you almost can't do anything to save the planet. <laughs> Very little, you know? I'm also, well, I'm Jesus almost tempted. comes I, back, though, yeah. he's going to save the planet. I'm almost tempted to, uh, in, in editing, to pull up a clip by George Carlin about, you know, save yeah. this, save this. You, you know what I'm talking about? You know, save the, uh, no. save the whale, save the seal, save the yeah. whatever, and then he finishes off by saying, "And save the planet, the biggest thing you can get, save the planet." And it was yeah. it's quite funny. Uh, uh, I can imagine. <laughs> I just you know it, it's just it's silly, and mm-hmm. yet Christians have bought into this, and you know they march around with banners, and we're going to take over the world, and the C. Peter Wagner puts out these things, and well now it's Chuck Pierce puts out these edicts that you know. We're the fastest growing religion in the world, and and I'm going. Um, first of all, you need to check your statistics because if you check any place, you'll find out that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. The reason they say it is because they're taking over legitimate churches, you know, by leaps and bounds, uh-huh. and so they're getting it's it's attrition. But they're not getting new people in necessarily. Sure. They're getting Christians, which was what the counterfeit revivals were were all about the third way revivals it wasn't about getting uh, unbelievers it was about changing christians paradigm mm-hmm. very dangerous stuff i have a voicemail question here it's a, the final voicemail question that i have and sure. we're, we're kind of already answering the question but uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, i'd like to play it before we answer too okay much. <laughs> sure hello i have a question about the new apostolic reformation i'm wondering how new is it, for one thing. The other thing is, I first heard about NAR 
this past summer when Texas Governor Rick Perry was associated with them during his attempt to be endorsed by the Republicans as the presidential nominee. Is the um, new apostolic reformation considered to be a political movement? And I'm wondering how does their political involvement fit with their theology? Those are my questions. Thank you. Well, it's a very good question, and I was very disappointed to see that Rick Perry was aligning himself with the New Apostolic, and look what happened to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he got actually rightly criticized for having this sort of fascist thing about taking over the world. Yeah. Um, there was a lot yes, of fallout they, from that, too. And... A, a lot of fallout. Uh, and these guys... I know Brandon House got caught up in trying to warn people about yeah. it, and... Got it it just shows that they don't really have the power they think they do, but yes, mm -hmm. they are political, and their agenda is political, so it's part of their theology, because they want to ride the beast of world governance. That's their whole thing. We want to take over the world. This is what C. Peter Wagner keeps talking about. Yeah. We want to take over the government systems. They want to populate every aspect of the world with with Christians. They want to Christianize everything because they believe that the kingdom is now. And again, you know, check out my article called A Tale of Two Kingdoms, which is Kingdom Now or Kingdom Come. Mm -hmm. uh, but they've involved themselves with political candidates and, uh, you know, uh, he got roundly criticized and reporters like Marshall West wrote about it and did an excellent job of showing that what he was doing was not a good thing. It was really well, sad, in my opinion, to see secular and liberal secular reporters doing a better job of exposing this for what it was <laughs> than people in the church should have been doing. Isn't that an interesting comment? Because this is what I've seen. Sometimes unbelievers these days have more discernment <laughs> uh -huh. than believers do. You, you look at a lot of unbelievers. They look at this trash on, on Christian TV. I mean, there's a few people on there maybe that are okay. But by and large, you know, they look at that and they go, I would never want to be a Christian. I don't want to act like an idiot, you know? Yep. <laughs> I don't want to do these idiotic stuff. Right. And they're right, you know? They see through the false stuff that's going on. Well, these guys are just all about money. Yeah. Yeah. How come the Christians can't figure that out? You know. Well, then, unfortunately, I think too many Christians fall into, uh, you know, I study logic a little bit, and it's called the genetic fallacy. Yeah. Where uh, they say, well, because it was some liberal secular reporter that's that's exposing yeah. this, that yeah. therefore it's wrong, and it must and, be wrong. Right. That's a that's called the genetic fallacy. You, you, yeah. you got to look at the argument, not the person making the argument. Well, you know, of course. A true Christian is going to have an understanding of things that an unbeliever does not, especially right. biblical things. Yeah. But when something is just common sense and a Christian can't see it, there's something wrong. And again, they need to test themselves and make sure they're in the faith, because I see people all the time like this, and they can't get it no matter what you tell them. They do not want to deal with facts. Yeah. And so you go... Okay, I thought you said you had a, a relationship with Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and his spirit, which is the spirit of truth. If you have the spirit of truth in you, you will recognize truth when you when you hear it. And you will also recognize error, you know? Yeah. But 
this is why I, I, I did a, a DVD uh, teaching recently called Examine Yourselves to See If You're in the Faith. And if you are, then hold on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are to take a look and see and make sure that we're on the right track. Because there are a lot of people who are assuming they're on the right track. God will never let me to be deceived. Oh, really? <laughs> then why did he say, don't be deceived? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to his apostles and, yeah. and everybody else. Yeah. You know, it, it is a real danger that we can deceive ourselves or be deceived by someone, and that's why we need Christian maturity. We don't yeah. want to remain babies with milk, which is where, what they're getting in a lot of places, but we need to move on to meat, which is, of course, the Word of God. Yeah. And I feel the need to just make a quick comment on, sure. um, you know, I'm not sure how our tone is going to come across, and I, I just want to make it clear that we're not talking about discernment and, and questioning people's beliefs in false doctrine out of some kind of superiority or arrogance. It's no. done because we care so much. And I, and a- I know absolutely. you work so hard to, uh, you know, I really do that. And, and, and it, it can come across as harsh to people who mm-hmm. don't understand these things, but they need to understand that what we do is out of love. Exactly. We share the truth because we love people and we don't want them to fall into error. Mm-hmm. And, Sometimes you have to hear the clear facts. I mean, I'm glad that somebody preached the true gospel to me. I didn't like it, but it challenged me to see who I really was. And that's what we all have to do. We have to understand where we're at so that the Lord can then help us to move in the right direction. Yeah. Well, we are over an hour for sure. And (laughs) I just... Not the end of the world. I, my goal is usually just to fit this on a CD when I'm done, so 80 minutes is the limit. But uh, I had a comment. We've been through all of my uh, for, my outline, uh, the different subjects that I wanted to cover, and maybe just a few minutes for some, some other general questions or comments. Sure. Uh, I had a comment uh, from Paul via the website, and he actually commented uh, right after the last episode. So this mm-hmm. comment is pretty old. And actually the comment section on the website automatically closes after, I think it's 90 days. And the yeah. reason for that is anything that gets older than that typically ends up getting spam. And I, and, and I get yeah. far more spam than I would ever get legitimate comments. <laughs> so it's just, it's just timed automatically. The 90 right. days shut it down. Uh, so if, if you're listening to this or any other episode and it's longer than 90 days, please, please feel free to email uh, but the comment section is going to be closed. And anyway, Paul said uh, he wanted to pass along some information from from other personal uh, resources. But you had mentioned the Sentinel Group on your last episode when we were together a year ago. And he just commented that he knows that they've done away with that name and adopted another name. And they're now known as Glowtorch. And their website is glowtorch.com. And he just commented that he's felt very unfortunate to have come into contact with that group. Yeah. Well, these guys often change their names um, because uh, they're, they get written up by some apologists and then they change their name thinking they can kind of, you know, sidestep. Yeah. But George Ortis Jr. has been working hand in hand with C. Peter Wagner and the New Apostolics out of his offices at the New Life Church, Ted Eggers' former church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And he produced a number of videos called Transformations, Mm -hmm. trying to prove that 
uh, cities were being, whole cities were being saved basically through their techniques, their spiritual warfare techniques. Mm. We, when we first saw the first transformations, we wrote a paper on it because it was obvious that he was uh, lying and also fabricating facts. And uh, it's it's astounding the misinformation that was in those videos. Uh, that is. Uh, that that paper is at www.concernedchristians.50megs.com, and you can read about the first trans- transformations video. And since then, there have been others, but they're all basically in the same vein. They are misleading people into thinking that what they're doing is having an effect when, in actuality, it's not. Not only not having an effect, but in some cases, having an adverse effect on what's going on. And so this is all part of the transformations agenda, which is a worldwide thing of the new apostolic. We have transformations Hawaii out here and they have a prayer meeting um, on a regular basis. And they try to grab all the pastors and they've been successful in even grabbing some of the pastors from some evangelical churches here to get involved with them. And uh, they tried to say that they, well, their their big agenda is that uh, uh, Cindy Jacobs, the, pro- the one of the main prophetesses of under C. Peter Wagner, came over here and said that God told her that Hawaii was going to be the first entirely Christian state. In other words, everybody was going to be saved here. <laughs> well, I live here, <laughs> and it ain't happening. But they, you know, they tried to prove that they've been having success with these prayer meetings mm-hmm. the last time by saying that um, the crime rate on Oahu has gone down. Well, right. I kind of doubted that, so I went and checked the statistics, and sure enough, they had pulled like one or two statistics that, that went down out of a bunch of them that went up. Mm-hmm. And I was walking a couple days later um, and walked by a, one of these uh, news kiosks, and there it was on the front of the paper, Oahu crime rate up 6%. Ugh. So they just outright lied. Yeah. And, you know, so I brought that up and, you know, said, you know, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing praying with these people? I mean, they're praying with people from the Word of Faith and and New Apostolic Churches and Emerging Church Churches and Catholics, they were they were all on this video and they were like hugging each other, you know, hugging the Catholic priests and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you doing? You know, are you really on the same page with these people? But they've obviously bought into the dominionist ideas, you know, we're yeah. taking over the world. But I can tell you right now that Hawaii is actually in dire straits. It's one of the there's some other, a few other states that are really really bad, but Hawaii is really bad too. Mm-hmm. It's very heretical. Many many churches are off, and it's just sad. I have a hard time even recommending a church for people here because there are so few that are that are on, you know, mm-hmm. that are really right on. So you know, that's what's happening here. They are they are falling further and further into the new apostolic. Well, we are pretty much out of time. Uh, I did okay. want to address uh, another uh, – there was a question from Arwen. Uh, we don't have time to get into it, but he asked about if, if – he asked me to ask what do you think about a few different things. One of the things he asked about was Bill Johnson. 
And, oh, Bill um, Johnson. I yeah. just want to point you, if you're curious about Bill Johnson, uh, Bob DeWay and I did an entire episode on Bill Johnson uh, oh, back in February. That's episode, I believe, 46. Uh, so echozoe.com slash 46 if you're curious about Bill Johnson. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was called Bill Johnson, IHOP, and Ancient Heresy Reborn. Uh, so we did a whole hour on, on that. Great. And, uh, so glad to hear that. Uh, so... Um, you can also come to my site. I have a I have a section on Bill Johnson with a number of articles on him. So okay, yep. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you gave us so much material, and I am going to be very busy <laughs> with both my scriptures referenced section and my additional resource section. I'm going to go back. I usually do a first time. Uh, I edit the show, and then I go back and listen to it a second time just to pick up uh, those scripture references right. and additional resources and stuff. So yeah. I hope I can get it all. If no you're problem. curious about any of those materials that Sandy mentioned, uh, check the website. We'll, I'll do my best to try and get a link to everything I can in there, uh, the DVDs, the websites, the books, all of it. Um, we'll we'll do, do my best to get it in. And, uh, Sandy, I thank you so much. Uh, thank you so I, much. I really enjoy uh, just talking with you. I was glad to have you back. And, uh, appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate the, the opportunity. So, you can find show notes, including a detailed outline of the discussion, references to scriptures mentioned in the show, and additional resources by going to echozoe.com slash 55. As I mentioned at the start of the show, after we finished recording, Sandy and I discussed doing a third episode on this topic. Because there's just so much to discuss regarding this topic, it's hard to get to it all. The plan with our next show together is to devote an entire hour to listener questions. If you have a question after listening to this episode, please call the voicemail line and leave a message. You can also submit questions via our social media sites or submit it at the website at echozoe.com contact. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or would like to contribute a question to an upcoming interview, leave us a voicemail. You can do so by calling area code 425-906-4908. Whenever possible, we'll announce upcoming topics and guests so that you can offer questions for the show. You can find those announcements on the website or on our social media sites. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or add us to your Google Plus circles to get the latest news and announcements from Echo Zoe Ministries. Do you know someone that would benefit from listening to Echo Zoe Radio and want to share the show with them? There are several ways you can do so. If you sign up for email alerts, you'll get an email every time a new episode is posted that you can forward to friends and family that may be blessed by what you hear. Another option is a CD subscription. Many people who would benefit from hearing Echo Zoe Radio don't have access to podcasts, and a CD subscription is the perfect way to share Echo Zoe Radio with them. Just check the show notes for this episode at echozoe.com for information on these options for sharing the show with others. That wraps up episode 55. Thanks again for listening. Lord willing, we'll be back again next month for the December episode.